How's everyone doing? <sighs> nice. Well, um, my name is Basil. I'm one of the pastors here, youth pastor actually. Um, and uh, it's my second time sharing. And it's pretty, pretty exciting, a little bit nerve wracking, but I think we got it. So, um, first of all, I wanted to say um, yesterday we had a really good time at Centennial Park. We threw a back to school party for the um, for for our kids, and uh, it was quite a good turnout. Um, thank you so much for those that helped out with it, Tiffany, Sinai, um, Matt and Rachel. That's not Matt and Rachel. That's that's Kristen and Austin. They were they were here. <laughs> um, yes, you know one of the uh, impressions I I had after the event was that. Um, Dreams do come true, you know. Uh, just thinking back to where I was two years ago, and the thought of somebody two years ago had told me about like, "You have to go do ministry, you got to do back to school." Back school. And I, I, I like freaked out in front of him, like, "No," you know. And yesterday we had our first back to school bash, so thank God for it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, so in 2009, I moved to the United States for college. I went to school at Louisiana Tech University. And after my first quarter there, I went on my first date. Um, <laughs> we haven't got to the funny part yet. <laughs> we can do this. Um, so I went on my first date, and at the end of it, I thought it went really well. And I wanted to see her again. So as she was dropping me off, because I had a car at the time, I looked at her and I said, Anna, I would like to get intimate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In my defense, sorry, this didn't come out as clear as it should be. In my defense, well, my understanding of intimacy is this right here, close familiarity or friendship, closeness. I wanted to get close. <laughs> you know, I wanted to know her better. I wanted, I, 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 I was interested in pursuing a friendship. You know, she looked at me with like the uh, terrified look on her face and was like, we should probably get to know each other better first. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, get to know each other better. She's like, Okay, you know, she dropped me off. I, I went up to my dorm room and I'm like thinking about it now. I'm like, yeah, it's a great night, you know, killed it, yeah, you know. And I thought I should share. So I, I run downstairs to Josh's room. Uh, Josh, Michelle, and I, we, we all went to the same college. Um, I ran downstairs to his room and I was narrating the whole night to him. And I was like, yeah, you know, before she dropped me off, I, I was like, yeah, we should get intimate and stuff. And he was like, you told her what? <laughs> 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 so he explained to me what that means. And, it, you know, the whole thing just made sense, the way she reacted. And, and I called her afterwards and asked her if I could see her the next day. She reluctantly saw me and I apologized. <laughs> and I'm sorry, this is, I wasn't talking about this, this one right here, you know, the euphemistic meaning of it, you know. So 
so it comes with being in a new culture. You know, when you when you find yourself in a new culture, there's just so many things you don't know. Words, the, the same words don't mean the same thing. You know, um, you don't know how to act. You're constantly second guessing yourself. Actually, that's the way I met Axel because I was I saw him at Walmart and I could. And I just knew that guy's new because I've been there. And I was like, hey, how are you doing? You know, <laughs> um, you know you're constantly second guessing yourself. Um, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be doing that? Am I doing it right? Am I saying it right? Um, and you're always doing a lot of stuff wrong. If, 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 if you've ever been in a new culture, you know that you do a lot of stuff wrong. If you've never been and you are about to enter into one, just, just get comfortable with it, you know? It'll get better. Um, you know, for those of us here that have not ever really gotten out of Colorado, or um, it's sort of like getting a new job. You know, the the um, the learning phase of it. It's like going to a new school for the first time and learning the cultures of that particular place. Uh, so last week, Sam shared with us from. Uh, Titus chapter two on generational discipleship: How the believers, how they, how the, how they were supposed to act um, with other believers, and how and how those actions impact not believers. This today we'll pick up in chapter three, where where now Paul is telling them that this is the way this this is the way you're supposed this is the way you're supposed to act with the pagan society, community you find yourself in. <clears throat> so Titus 3, 1, he says, remind the people to be, to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable, considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. I'm going to just give a disclaimer here. I can't be loud and boisterous a little bit. So if I get a little loud, I'm not yelling. Maybe I'm yelling, but I'm not angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just we'll have fun. It's going to be a good time, yeah? Um, so in this verse, Paul reminds Titus. Paul, Paul is writing to Titus to remind the Cretes, the Christian Cretes, that this is how you're supposed to act among when, um, with the pagan society you find yourself in. This, this is the behavioral standard with, with, first, with, with the civil authority and with everyone else. You're supposed to be, um, you're supposed to be obedient. You're supposed to, to do whatever is good. So this right here, the part where he says to be ready to do whatever is good is is a call to get involved on Paul's part. He's telling them, you know, there are some passive ways we participate in community, like, you know, you drive the speed limit, you know, you're obeying the authority, right? Um, you pay your taxes and your bills, okay? Uh, but, but when Paul tells them to be ready to do whatever is good, he's, he's, he's telling them to get involved. Where God has placed you, be ready to do whatever is good in your at your workplace. 
be ready to do whatever is good. Not just those actions that kind of come automatically, um, but step in and take actions at your school. Be ready to do whatever is good. In your neighborhood, be ready to do whatever is good. Don't just sit there and slander. Don't just sit there and complain. My neighbor this, my neighbor that. <laughs> he hasn't mowed the lawn yet. It's been, it's been five weeks, you know? Be ready to do whatever is good. Because that is how people see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. In verse 3, he tells them, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. So why does he remind them of how they are supposed to act in, in the communities they find themselves in, and then turns around and tells them, this is who we were. We were people that were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passion. Why does he do that? Could it be he's trying to humble them? Bring them down a little bit? I think we have a tendency when we find ourselves on the other side of things, we slap our chest and we go, I did that. Yeah, baby, that's me. You know, I've been playing a lot of basketball this, this weekend. When you're playing basketball with uh, those teenagers, man, and they got a good move on you. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and they're always asking me, can you dunk? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, I think we have a tendency to look inward and forget that we used to be a certain way, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing we forget. We forget that it, it is it is it is God's grace that saves. That we are who we are because of God's grace. The thing about comparison is when we compare ourselves to other people, it produces one of two things in us. We're either filled up with pride. If we're if we come out on top, we're filled up with pride and go, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Because I did it. Go get a job. Because I have a job. Right? Or when we come out on the bottom, we're filled up with insecurities. And we tend to hide or walk around with our face down. Because we don't really seem to measure up. It, comparison with one another never really produces anything good. So Paul is reminding them, you too, you were foolish, you were disobedient, you were enslaved by all kinds of passion, malice, envy, and hatred. And then he goes along to tell them, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Here's the thing. Transformation only happens when we encounter the love 
and kindness of Jesus. Transformation only happens when we encounter the love and kindness of Jesus. You know, true transformation only happens when we encounter the love and kindness of Jesus. It doesn't come by beating people over the head with the gospel, uh, with the Bible. It doesn't come by manipulation. It doesn't come by uh, any other means. It comes by encounter with the love and kindness of Jesus. So what changes a people that were foolish, disobedient, and deceived? It is the kindness and love of Jesus that changes a people like that. And that's what Paul is reminding us. As you go about doing good, remember that you were transformed because you encountered Jesus Christ. You encountered his love. You encountered his kindness. You encountered his mercy. And, and, and I think he's very clear cut about that. Like, he doesn't like, he's very clear on that. As you go and as you do, remember that you have been transformed because of your encounter with the love and kindness of God through Jesus. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. I think sometimes we, uh, we, we, we have languages like, um, so, so like when you ask somebody, when did you become a Christian? You know, well, uh, so Sunday I prayed, I, I, I prayed this prayer, and I'm not excusing the importance of that prayer, you know, but I think what that language kind of does, it, it puts that whole, that I made the move, I did this. We're not safe because we prayed the right prayer. We're not safe because we have the right sexuality. We're not safe because we advocate for the right things. We are saved because of God's grace. And he's just going in on that in, in, in these verses. So it is the lack of this understanding when we, when, when we kind of get away from this understanding, we begin to kind of see Look inward. Man, there's something good about me. There's got to be something pretty darn good about me for me to be, you know, where I'm at. <laughs> you know? I think that sometimes, honestly. Like, when I first became a Christian and I started, like, just really experiencing God in a whole new way, and the thought in my head was, Man, I must be pretty special because I don't see anybody experiencing what I'm experiencing right now. You know, there must be, it's, it's got to be me in some way. You know, there's got to be something good about me. <clears throat> Again, it says, it is, 
It is God's kindness. It is not. It, it, it is not the moral code that we have lived by. It is not. Um, it is not our positive vibes. It is not our good energy. It is not our brilliance that saves us. It is not because we pulled ourselves up by the bootstrap. It is. It is the kindness and it, it is the love of God that saves you. <clears throat> I lost the connection here. Oh. I got it. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things. I hope I'm stressing it enough. <laughs> so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. So out of this reality that it is God's kindness, it is God's love that saves us, we extend the same kindness to other people. We extend that same kindness to the people that God has put us around. We extend that kindness to our neighbor. We extend that kindness to friends. We extend that kindness at workplace. We extend that kindness to the places, the spaces, and the people that God has placed us in. We become agents of God's kindness and love. So here's my question to us. Um, just, just to ponder as you continue about your life, your week. Do you really believe in the depth of who you are, that you are a product of God's kindness and love? Do you really believe in the depth of who you are, that you are a product of God's kindness and love, that you are where you are right now, that you've been able to accomplish the things you've been able to accomplish, that you have what you have because of God's kindness and love towards you, that all is well with you because of God's kindness and love towards you, do you really believe that? That's my question. And I would love for you to ponder that as you engage with God and with um, the world that he has put you around. Unlike the pagan culture where the crits find themselves in, the uh, Christian crits find themselves in, I think it, uh, it, it might have been easier to see someone who is different doing good um, and say, hey, there's something different about that guy. Um, there's something spiritually different about that guy. I want to know more about that guy or about that girl. And kind of like be drawn to Jesus in that way. Um, unlike that culture, I think this is my stab at this culture that we live in here. Um, I think there's a lot of being a good person. Got to be a good person, man. You know, I think that I think there's a lot of like positive vibes, you know, and, and, and you hear like positive vibes only. Right. I think there's a lot of um, you got to be. You got to be in some kind of volunteer program, charity organization. You got to be doing something like that. There is a lot of that, but it doesn't necessarily point to Jesus as the source of all things good. Like, like I like your energy. I want to be around your energy, you know, but no, keep that Jesus away from me. You know, like, like be positive. And 
I'm not knocking that, by the way, because nobody likes a Debbie Downer, right? So it's like, <laughs> come on, dude. Uh, but but there is but there is the worship of that, and we want that. We want that positive energy. We want positive vibes, but we don't want Jesus as the source of that, or or, or we don't want to recognize him as the source of that. Um, an example is. Uh, Paul finds himself in, at this island in Malta where they, they, they have just experienced shipwreck, right? And the people welcomes them and builds a fire for them. And so Paul is gathering wood for, for the fire and the viper comes out and bites his hand. So the people there are thinking, man, this guy must be a murderer because he escaped shipwreck, but the goddess of justice got him with that snake. So they're, so they're watching him, and they're waiting for him to swell up and die. Um, Paul shakes, shakes the, snakes off, the snake off into the fire, and they're just waiting and waiting and watching and just waiting for him to get really sick and die. But Paul doesn't die. Nothing actually happens to him. And they go, well, this guy must be a god. So in their mind, they begin to worship him. And that's kind of what, that, that's my take on what's kind of here within our culture. You know, we see somebody that we, we consider as a good person. And in our mind, in, in some way, we worship that person, but we don't really care for the source of that. My encouragement to us is when the world sees your good works, your positive vibes, your good energy, and points that out to you. Give glory to God. Point back to Jesus. However way you, you think best to do that. Because as Paul is telling the Christians here, you were foolish. You were disobedient. You were just all kinds of malice and envy and hatred was just ravaging through you. But, but, but because of the kindness and love of Jesus, you're saved. And now you can show compassion. Now you're a person of peace. Now you're all these things. So give glory to God. That's, my, that's one of my encouragement for us. So what can we learn from this story for us today? The first thing, um, the first thing I want to say is get involved. You can even hashtag it on Instagram, you know. <laughs> get involved. Get involved in the spaces that God has called you to. Don't be a hermit. Don't just sit back and complain. Don't, don't slander. Be ready to do every good thing. Because that is how people will see your good works and give glory to God. Um, I was... There was a season of my life where, actually not too long ago, a few years ago, where I was so insecure, so, so insecure because of um, most of that insecurities came, of, came out of a lot of mistakes that I've made and um, just didn't really trust a lot of people because of my insecurities. And this guy, Bruce, uh, he's visited us once here before, 
he 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 begins to invite me to his home, and I'm waiting for for the moment where he, you know, digs a little deeper with me and finds out about all the bad choices that I've made and um, well, wants nothing to do with, you know, or kind of categorize me because it's kind of what I was used to. But he doesn't do that. The day I shared with him about all that has gone on and where I was at, he just looks at me and says, Basil, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. You're new. Start new. <laughs> and he does, and he didn't stop there. He didn't stop inviting me to his home. I had a seat at his table. I sat with his family and I felt like one of them, you know. And out of that relationship, I was in the shower one day and I feel like this is one of those God women in the bathroom, you know, you guys get that sometimes. So I'm in the shower and God is like, I delight over you. And people have told me this before, like, Masil, do you know God delights over you? I'm like, huh? You know? You know, like in the back of your mind, it starts to like roll through all the lists. Why would he delight in all of this, you know? It's like, no, I no, I rejoice over you. And the image he gives me is growing up in Nigeria at once a year for two weeks during the Christmas season, we would travel home to the village where my parents are from. And as soon as we pull into our part of the village, these little kids, these little village kids, they'll start running behind our car and they'll be singing and they'll be shouting uh, because we came home, you know? And when we pull into our compound, um, all the relatives would come out and they would start singing and they're jumping and it's just like, they're just excited that we came home. And, and you know, you kind of feel like a celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting people in the back, you know? But it's such a wonderful picture for me how God rejoices over me. He sings over me. He dances over me. You know, I'm not a celebrity. I haven't done anything special. I didn't do anything. I just came home to the village. And these women and children and, and their husbands, they're just jumping and they're dancing all because of the fact that we came home. And so that was, that was one way God um, showed me a really good way that just set me free from a lot of like um, my insecurities and hurt. Like God rejoices over me. And, and it's all because someone chose to get involved in my life and gave me a seat at the table. So the, the next thing is that we can learn, learn from this passage is we need to engage with kindness. Keeping, keeping in mind that it's, it is the kindness of God that changes people. It's not us. We don't change people. The Spirit of God does that. We extend the kindness that we've been shown we extend the love that we've received, and the Spirit of God brings that transformation. <clears throat> and also one thing to keep in mind is to know that we're not entitled to some form of respect from the world. 
as we extend kindness, as we show kindness, we're not entitled to any respect. As a matter of fact, our kindness and love will be misunderstood or even thrown back at our face. But we don't respect, we don't respond in anger and shouting and shutting things off. We respond out of the knowledge that we are a people that are broken and under the under the cross of Jesus Christ, and that we think and we act in such a way that brings glory to Him and goes to His church. And the last one is this is not this this one is not part of the not really part of where we read, but I pulled it out because of my own personal experience. Um, there will be hurt and wounds when we get involved and, and we engage people with kindness. There will be hurt and wounds. There will be misunderstandings. There will be various things like that. And there may be a season where we need to stop. When I first came to Reve and Sam asked me, um, so I wanted to put me on the preaching uh, team. I was like, keep that away from me, bro. <laughs> I was so scared. My experience of like, I, I, did, a, I did an internship and uh, I didn't do so well with preaching lab. <laughs> I, was, I was like, no, I don't want any bit of that, you know? And, you know, he gave me the space and always kept telling me, you have, to, you have a voice, you have something to say, you have to you bring something to the table, and whenever you're ready. And that was, that was, that didn't go well, so. But, um, stop but don't quit. You know, there may be seasons where you need to take a step back and heal, and let Jesus um, strengthen and bring peace and a fresh fire. And you just need to take that and then step back into the spaces he has called you to go to. <clears throat> so what would our community begin to look like if we became the people that, that got involved and responded and became people that are peaceful and gentle, what would we begin to look like if we, if we became the people that actually engaged our world with kindness? What would we look like if we stopped and not quit? I'd like for us to pray real quick. In closing, and I want to pray for uh, three different sets of people. The first group of people being um, those that might might have not encountered God's love and kindness. I want to pray that this week that God begin that God begins to show Himself in such a way in your life in a kind way, in a loving 
way that you, at the end of it, cannot deny that this is God's kindness and God's love towards me. And that's the first group of people I, I want to pray for. Um, the second group of people I want to pray for this morning is those that God is calling because of their encounter with him. There are some of us here that, 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 that have encountered God's kindness and love, but we have not stepped into the spaces that God is calling us to, to extend that same kindness and love. I want to pray for you. And the last group of people is those that are in a season of burnouts where you need to stop for a bit. I want to pray that God brings all the healing and all the strength and all the restoration and does a fresh fire to launch you back into the place and the spaces and the people that he has called you to. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for your goodness, God, that it is your kindness and your love that transforms us. That we don't need to pretend, that we don't need to fake it, we don't need to perform, and we don't need to manipulate. But we just need to submit to your kindness and your love. So Father, I pray for I, I pray for those in this space that have that have not encountered your love. I pray that they, that they will begin, even Lord, today, this week, that you will begin to show up in their life in a real way. That you will begin to, that they will begin to encounter such a kindness that is that that has not been usual in their life, such a love that has not been usual in their life. And God, for the grace to see that, to identify that, and not miss that. But I pray for those that you have overwhelmed with your kindness and overwhelmed with your love, but for some reason are still scared to step into the lives and spaces that you've called them to. But I pray that faith will begin to rise up within them and that every fear will be broken off of them in the name of Jesus and that they can go into the world and into the spaces and communities that you have called them to and love the mess out of people. Father, I also want to lift up those that are in a season of burnout and might have need to stop and have walked away from things. Lord, I pray that you will begin to bring healing into their minds and into their hearts and in whatever broken thing in their life, Lord. Would you begin to restore in the name of us? Lord, I pray that you will strengthen them, oh Lord, and God, give them a fresh fire and renew, oh Lord. Remind them of your promises that you have over their life, Lord, because your promise is yes, and you will fulfill all that you have spoken concerning their life. So, Lord, would you heal, would you restore, and would you bring them back to the place where they are, where they can go forth once more. In the name of Jesus, amen.